0: Hi, my name's Bill Carter, and this is My Life Wildlife. I'm a fish biologist, and I'm the biologist at the Selowick National Wildlife Refuge. The office is located in Kotzebue, Alaska, and the refuge itself is about 70 air miles to the east. It's about 2.5 million acres of wetlands and uh, mountains that straddle the Arctic Circle. I grew up in New Smyrna Beach uh, on the east coast of Florida. I was always playing in the surf or in the tide pools in the intercoastal waterway. I always remember watching Jacques Cousteau on TV, you know, it was, I was always really intrigued with with fish and underwater and being in the water in, in any way. From there, I went to uh, Northern Wisconsin for college and was really enamored with four seasons rather than one long summer. Did a lot of whitewater kayaking, sea kayaking, rock climbing, uh, winter camping. After I graduated and started looking for jobs, I I became a factory trawler observer. So I was out in Unalaska, Dutch Harbor on the big factory trawlers did that for a couple of seasons and ended up back in uh, wisconsin one of my friends there was running dog sled supported winter camping trips to the apostle islands um, which is a national park and that basically meant that we had think about 20 sled dogs in the backyard and we would haul all of the heavy stuff out to the camp and then the clients would just ski out to our out to the camp and then we. we'd uh, just let the, you would give them rides and get let them experience driving and dog team right after that that last winter i was there the guy who we were releasing dogs from decided he wanted to come back to alaska and some of the people that i met at that point introduced me to like some of the top mushers so eight to nine months out of the year i was a dog handler and then the other four months i was either guiding very rich clients on the west end of Denali or hugging fish (laughs) with Fish and Wildlife Service. So working on weirs and and all those other things. So I thought I would come here for one, one winter and run sled dogs and then look for a grad project. And that was almost exactly 25 years ago. I worked with the fisheries office in Fairbanks for 16 seasons, mostly working on salmon, but then kind of transitioned into uh, working on whitefish and got my master's degree at UAF, working with broad whitefish on the Yukon River up until I moved to uh, Kotzebue in 2014. And now I'm the everything biologist here. (laughs) It just seemed like a, a good place for me to try to get on with my life after several years of trying to find a job in Wisconsin and the lower 48. Everything was interesting here. My summer job was interesting. I was learning a lot of new things. I was able to put a lot of skills that I had learned in college and just in life towards stuff that I like to do. And I got paid to be outside all the time. Winters were Long days, but they were never difficult days. They were always, you know, hook up your friends, go for a run, feed them, come back, clean stuff up, take another team out. And it was an adventure all the time. You never knew what you were going to come across out on the trail. It's an interesting experience because the dogs are so excited when you start off and they're just barking and screaming and it's, the thing that they want to do more is go out and run with their friends and as soon as you pull the hook or let the line go they are dead quiet and all you hear is jingling of the hardware and the runners and their feet running down the snow and it's snow around you is really very it it muffles all the noise so it's really quiet when you're out on the trail and you see a lot of cool things you know you might have a wolf pop out in front of you, or hopefully a, a moose doesn't stand in the middle of the trail and not want you to go by. <laughs> um, so there's all kinds of crazy things go on on the dog teams. I'm a fish biologist, but I delve into everything aquatic. Um, and there was a, an effort made here when I was hired to look more at the aquatic life because we have so many wetlands here on the refuge. So. Um, most of what I do is either physical chemistry on water or look at fish and invertebrates. My field work here has a lot to do with white fish. I get paid to go fishing for some of the coolest fish that nobody's ever heard of. They're related to salmon, but they're not anadromous in the way that that salmon are—they don't go to sea for a set length of the time and come back and die. Whitefish are are old fish. The fish I worked in in the Yukon, the broad whitefish lived into their 20s. And the main fish I work on here now are are called she fish or inkanu, and they're the largest of the whitefish in Alaska. They're piscivorous, which means they eat other fish. In the Kobuk River, they get to 50 and 60 pounds and four feet long. And the best way to study these fish is to go up on the spawning grounds and fish for them hook and line. The main thrust of the study that I was working on, the last one I was working on, which finished in 2018, is due to a permafrost thaw slump, basically a big mudslide caused by thawing permafrost. And it's about 20 miles upstream of the spawning area. So we wanted to try to figure out whether that thaw slump was going to affect the recruitment, so that the ability of the, the she-fish to spawn and those eggs to mature and and bring back another spawning generation. And the most difficult part of that is that it takes 10 years for the youngest sheafish to mature. So the slump started when we were doing a, what's called a mark recapture project, because we wanted to look at the spawning population. So you go out and you mark a bunch of fish and you wait a while and you go back and you try to catch fish and see how many fish have marks and, and don't have marks. And then you do a lot of statistics and you come up with an estimate of how many spawning um, fish are out there. We have to sacrifice a bunch of fish, but the the carcasses are donated to the local village of Sulawak, so people get to eat them. And then we take their ear bones out, which are called otoliths, and we cut them um, down to a a section that's only three-tenths of a millimeter thick so we can have light pass through it. And then just like a uh, tree, they have growth rings on them. So um, we count those growth rings. We look for year classes that aren't represented or underrepresented to see if that the slump has affected that. The problem is from all this data we have up to this point, we realize that we have irregular recruitment, which means we have highs and lows over several years that work their way all the way through the population before they age out and a new crop comes in, which makes it much more difficult to figure out if the slump actually has any any effect. In recent years, we've had what are called blue green algae or cyanobacteria blooms in the two big lakes that we have adjacent to the refuge Selowick Lake and, and Hotham Inlet which is somewhat brackish because it's connected to uh, Cotsview Sound. So some of the stuff we d- we're doing there is just looking at these cyanobacteria blooms they create a similar toxin to what's in paralytic shellfish poisoning which is a different kind of algae bloom that that causes that in marine waters. Um, But instead of an acute effect where you eat the shellfish and you may die immediately, this is a chronic effect where if you eat something that's eaten this this algae over a long period of time the toxins can build up in you too and, and create this acute effect. We have a project with a university professor at UAF who's looking at the immigration and range expansion of beaver into this this area. The local knowledge is that there weren't any significant beavers before like the 40s. So we're using some remote sensing and aerial imagery to look at the expansion and see if we can have old enough photos to look to see how how long it's taken for the beaver to move from the interior, because there's a little bit of a mountain range on the east side of the refuge move into the the Selowick area and, and farther. And almost everything that we're, we're working on now has to do with climate change in one way or another. The warmer waters creating, you know, the cyanobacteria blooms, the shrubification of the tundra, and the fact that some of these creeks and ponds don't freeze solid to the bottom has allowed the beaver to overwinter. And then the slump. We have what, what's considered warm and discontinuous permafrost here warm being it's only one or two degrees below freezing Um, so it's particularly susceptible to thawing so if we have hot wet summers it seems to thaw much faster and we're having we're having tundra fires due to lightning strikes which we've had like six fires around here this week technically we are all lobed finned fish lobed finned fish came out of the water and started breathing air and all vertebrates that breathe air are descended from those so they do lots of really cool things especially like reef fish they have sequential hermaphrodism where all the smallest fish are males and there's only one large female because The female can produce more eggs and male sperm is cheap and then on the other hand there's the exact opposite thing where the male is guarding a territory so they're the biggest and you have lots of females so when the largest fish in either one of those systems dies the next largest fish changes sex and all the other fish move up the pecking order So when uh, my wife and I go on vacation, we usually go someplace to someplace warm in the winter to scuba dive and kind of the most recent interesting fish is uh, the Fijian fang blenny, which is about a maybe a three inch long canary yellow fish that has these giant fangs (laughs) and When I go scuba diving, I just try to find the most bizarre fish I can find in that area. There are far more fish species than there are birds or mammals. Um, The only thing that eclipses fish species and their diversity is insects. So they have just, they've been around for millions and millions of years and they do really cool things. And there's a lot of parallel evolution, and just really neat things about fish.
1: This has been My Life Wildlife, a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. Producers Lisa Hupp and Chris Pacheco. Produced and story edited by David Hoffman for Citizen Race Car, audio editing, sound design, and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Artwork by Michelle Lawson. In Alaska, the employees of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are shared stewards of world-renowned natural resources and our nation's last true wild places. The lands and waters of this place we call home nourish a vast and unique array of fish, wildlife, and people. Our hope is that each generation has the opportunity to live with, live from, discover, and enjoy the wildness of this awe-inspiring land and the people who love and depend on it.